five, four, three, two, one. Bazinga. Bazinga. Hello and welcome back to the Now Showing podcast. I'm your host, as always, Sam Houston. I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Jordan McDonald. Say hello, pal. I'm getting some praise this week. I'm liking it. How's it going? Yeah, I was, I was thinking of an insult, but I just couldn't think of anything in time. Um, we were gone last week, um, partly due to timing issues and personal problems, but also because there's not that much in the cinema right now, obviously. Uh, still in the midst of uh, things being cancelled due to, to COVID and such. So we missed this last week's and... Um, and we, we, this week we're going to be talking about the uh, the last Fox film uh, in, in their little X-Men universe. Um, one of the last non-Disney Marvel films to be released, if you don't count uh, the, the MCU kind of Sony stuff. And who better to help uh, us review that than the uh, the guest that we had last week. We brought him up. We, we wanted more after uh, the stunning tenant review that, that he gave. <laughs> uh, we're here today once more with uh, my friend Bo. Sam's friend, Bo. You can call me Sam's friend from now on. Well, friend maybe is pushing a little. Yeah. Um, we ha- know each other. <coughs> yeah. That's good. We're happy to have you back, pal. And so we will be talking about uh, the news that have been going on uh, in, in the world of film and TV, as always. And we'll be talking about uh, the films we've been watching. We'll talk a little bit about uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is the newest uh, Kaufman um, film that came out on Netflix has been described as the least Netflix film to, to ever be on released on Netflix and um, and we'll look at obviously the new mutants but before that I'm not doing a quiz this week because we have something a little bit more somber to talk about uh, the, the way the podcast schedule goes is that we release we normally record them on Wednesday or Thursday and um, and release them on, on Friday or Saturday and because of that it, it turned out that before we released in the the period between us recording and releasing the last episode of the podcast um some very um some massive surprising news that shocked the the film world happened on on the friday and of course we didn't record an episode next week so we're very late on this and everything that should, should have been said has been said about this thing but i guess um it would be bad for for us as, as film reviewers film connoisseurs you could say uh, to not talk about um the tragic and horrific uh, news that actor chadwick boseman died um last well the friday before last friday the 28th of august uh, age 43 uh, from stage 3 colon cancer um obviously we've talked uh, an awful lot uh, at length about how we are big comic book fans or ever and we've watched all these films you know obviously we have things to say about each one obviously but we've watched almost all of the MCU films between us uh, I'm sure both seen a lot of them and you know Black Panther is certainly up there with uh, some of my favourite comic book characters and favourite films and, and uh, it's been a pleasure to see uh, Chadwick Boseman's portrayal um, a stunning portrayal of, of Prince and, and King T'Challa in, in those films and obviously going out uh on a high in, in a way um he Chadwick Boseman uh came to to fame uh in late 2000s uh, in Lincoln Heights and of course has done an awful lot more than just Marvel uh probably came most prominently into the the film stage uh in in the film 42 playing the, the first black player in the uh, major league baseball Jackie Robinson and and whilst um you know Jackie Robinson is is held up as as this uh, great 
uh, kind of big player in the civil rights movement. I think there are a lot of comparisons you can draw between the steps uh, that he took in baseball to the steps that um, the Chadwick Boseman did for the uh, black film industry. Um, you know, Black Panther, of course, being nominated for an Oscar uh, for Best Picture, which is a, a massive moment for uh, for black cinema. A film almost completely black cast, black uh, director, and such, and played the first black superhero, um, especially mainstream. I guess you could argue that Wesley Snipes did with Blade. However, you know, when it comes to this, this modern age of modern age of superheroes, um, he portrayed the most prominent black character in the most successful film in history, um, in which he filmed with colon cancer we now know. No one knew that he had it, but from 2016 to 2020, he managed to make many films such as Endgame and Infinity War and, and The Five Bloods and a few others uh, whilst battling the, the uh, obviously, eventually fatal and, and horrific illness. Uh, obviously, age 43 is, um, is far too early for anyone however i guess there is some positivity that you can take from a man truly going out on top going out as one of the most loved actors and one of the most loved franchises uh, and it's obviously hurt us all here um everything is already been said that you know all the the actors coming out and they're talking about putting statues up in his hometown and and his uh, his tweet announcing his death on his twitter account is now the most liked tweet in history and i guess it's struggling for things to say because it's all been said but once again you know a, a real um real shocking news and and uh, and certainly one of uh, our favorites uh, sadly uh, gone far too soon I, I don't know if there's anything else i can uh, i can you, you particularly want to say either of you i did know that you went and saw black panther in the cinema jl the other day um, because they reshowed it due to boseman's passing um but if you just want to add with any thoughts uh, you know if you, if you can yeah obviously as you said a lot of things that you know i think a lot of the things that we could have said have already been said, and, and rightfully so. I think, you know, as you said, um, one of the most sort of inspirational figures and one of the most important, if not the most important, um, comic book film ever made, probably, um, for what he did for, as you mentioned, for, for block um, actors and, and crew and just the whole sort of, um, just the world, really. It's a, a massive, a massive moment. Obviously, one of the biggest, uh, highest-grossing films most uh you know well received by fans and critics and um yeah just a, just a massive shame obviously you say i went to i went to watch a showing of it uh, yesterday on on um on tuesday and yeah just a massive a massive shame and a massive loss really because as you said 43 years old it's way too young um way too soon taken from us and i think it just sort of um you know speaks volumes about about him as a person and, and as an actor as well of you know the amount of support that he's he's got from you know the people who've worked with him on on various uh on various projects from marvel to other things as well i just think yeah as you, i think as you said everything that's that could have been said about him has been said but i think it's, it's just a bit of a shame um obviously because uh 43 you'd expect that you know he was going to go on to do um you know many more great great performances in, in film and and you know, you you know, it's kind of hard to say with things like this, but you would maybe imagine he would go on to do a lot in terms of you know with the way the world is right now and, and what's being said and the discourse in in the real world. You know, you would have um you would have thought maybe after after his acting career he might have gone on to do some, you know, it's it's just a it's a big shame really and um and just a massive loss for for a lot of people. I think you know the the 
Um, you know, and obviously he's managed to to you know, I said battle on for for many years through some of the biggest, you know, most intense. Not in terms of not just in terms of the acting and the physicality and so on, but also in terms of the publicity and and all the stuff that he's done for. You know, and in in, a, in the meantime, in the midst of all that, he's been having treatment and and suffering the you know, as you said, the the horrific disease that he he was dealing with. And you know, and just one thing that really touched me this week was was learning that he had been visiting various um, child cancer wards uh, and and speaking to. I think there's in the build up to the premiere for Black Panther, um, there was an interview that he did where he spoke about visiting two you know, two children in particular and then talking about his experience there. And obviously, you know, now looking back on that in retrospect, it's quite. Um, you know, even more sort of heart wrenching, really, that you know these these people who look up to him, um, you know, black or or, or whatever, um, you know, whatever the you know color of their skin or whoever you know whatever their background, um, he was still regardless a massive inspirational figure for a lot of people, and I think you know just the fact that he was he was doing all this, going to you know places um like like the child cancer wards and such you know just being a massive inspiration for people while he was dealing with his own his own struggles and you know he didn't speak out about it and you know a very very few people beyond his close family knew about it i think there was i think the director of 42 is it 42 and then there was maybe a couple of people like his agent and some other people who were quite close to him who knew but other than that i think even i think even kevin feige was was in the dark about it all so um mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just a a show of really what kind of person he was. That you know, he just kind of battled on and battled through it, and you know, he was this massive figure for for a lot of people. And um, you know, may may sort of rest in peace on on the ancestral plane, as as they say in Black Panther, because um, you know, he's as you say, taken far too young, and um, yeah, just a just a massive loss for for a lot of people and for yeah. everyone. So yeah, yeah, of course, and. Uh... And you could see on the internet how uh, how much of a, a role model he is, especially to uh, to younger uh, black fans of superhero films that maybe had uh, someone to look up to more directly. Um, but you know, when I first, I remember when I, the Friday morning uh, in Britain, I believe maybe on Saturday morning, I can't exactly remember. I remember like just checking my phone, scrolling through um, through Reddit, and 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 seeing like like a Associated Press article, and be like, wait, is there a different Chadwick Boseman? I was like, I didn't really sink in for a bit. It's like such insane news. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're fucking. We're not not particularly nice, are we? But we, we bring you on those depressing episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, I haven't really got much to say on the subject other yeah. than he will be missed. He will be missed. Indeed, he will be. And you know, whilst after that, you know, it, it, it does put us a somber note. There is more news to be covered, and and we do need to to go on to, to talking about. Uh, further subjects and news and we'll go into the news now uh, earlier than we usually do but again just final thought uh, yeah as I said as everyone's already said a million things but you know rest in power uh, Chadwick Boseman thank you for everything you you, uh, you gave us so moving on to uh, less somber news um, which isn't particularly good news either um, there's been a, a few more cancer uh, we talked about it, so a, a few more cancellations before I ended at a bad point on that word um, with uh the one, uh, the Kingsman, 
the king's man has been pushed back to february 2021 um so showing that even though stuff like tenet and the new mutants and i'm sure a lot of other films will be coming out in in the near future stuff like um black widow and, and no time to die and such it does seem like there's still being uh, delays and uh, like um like, like there was earlier on in the in the film season and um i'm not exactly sure on the legitimacy of the next claim but i think you talked earlier jl about um wonder woman possibly getting a uh, a delay if you have any update on that or is that just hearsay or uh yeah there's just a few sort of news reports and sort of people tweeting about apparently a couple of sources indicating that uh wonder woman could get a delay i think it was due to come out um beginning of october sometime um that's been apparently well could be uh pushed back to November or December and then these implications that that could affect the release schedule for the June, the Denis Villeneuve film which is coming out in, supposed to come out in uh, mid-December I think um, and yeah, that's there's indications that if uh, Wonder Woman is pushed back that it could knock June back into 2021 as well as The Kingsman um, so yeah just some more delays and such for for the news it's quite surprising that they can they're contemplating that because of just how much uh the wonder woman trailer is being pushed it's like every single film i've seen over the last three weeks has just been constant Wonder Woman trailers and the tv they've been showing them all over and over so i'm almost surprised that they're even contemplating it but i'm sure that uh, there's obviously loads of uh, behind the scenes reasons and such but uh they seem to be pushing that one um so but we'll have to see what happens and again uh, we're still not out of covid um obviously today we're finding out that they're stopping uh groupings of people up to six so i wonder how that will influence the um cinema industry in britain um i'm assuming that that counts as a social distance and therefore will be fine and keeping pubs open but we'll have to keep an eye on that and whether that will have implications for for the cinema but i'm going to move on to as you said june and um there in the last couple hours from when we're recording this um, if that gives you any indication of when we're recording this uh, the June trailer has been released um, and I guess we'll have a little bit of talk about that so big big budget film uh, Denny Villeneuve uh, Villeneuve how do you pronounce that again? We Villeneuve <laughs> Villeneuve um, uh, it, big budget sci-fi film uh, same book that was adapted by David Lynch in 1984 um, so there's an absolute um, all-star cast ensemble cast uh, it's got Hans Zimmer on the uh, doing the score very very expensive very very good looking vfx and the trailer uh, seemed to shelf a bit of everything with the exception of the uh, the zimmer uh, score that wasn't particularly hitting that but i'll go to you both first and um what, what did you get from the june trailer are you excited for the film more than you were previously uh, is it the same were you disappointed how do you feel about well, the june trailer i don't really know much about the june universe honestly um i haven't read any of your books and I haven't seen any, uh, I've only seen uh, very few pictures that were teased um, previously before this trailer. And um, uh, just looking at the, the, the uh, images that were released, it um, did seem like my kind of film. So now watching this trailer, it's good that I have a, a little bit more, uh, more of a clue that what this, ju- that what this movie might be about. And um, looking at the, uh, the director's track record with films, I'm very excited to see what he has in store for us in June. Yeah, of course, um, him, we were talking about him in depth when the first episode of this podcast when we did Blade Runner 2049, and I think there's similarities in that kind of big-scale sci-fi that maybe is almost reminiscent of something like uh, Interstellar or something. Um, 
but yeah, so I'll, I'll go on to, to Jordan, uh, John Luke. What, what your thoughts were on the on the trailer? Probably one of the the bigger trailer releases in in the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah. So I was watching the trailer just before we started recording. Um, didn't really, I didn't, I didn't fully. Uh, you know, there was some conversations going on <laughs> during the time I was watching it. But um, from what I did see, from in terms of the video effects and you know, obviously we know about the cast. I, was, I think I've mentioned it before to you earlier today how. You know the cast could be something out of a Wes Anderson movie. The ensemble they've managed yeah. to get for that film. Um, it's interesting as well because um, Villeneuve, in previous films that I've seen, obviously Blade Runner twenty forty nine, uh, he had Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford. But beyond that, um, you know the cast. You know he he kind of tends to focus on a bit of like smaller casts with like more individual character stories. So like an Arrival. Obviously, with uh, Jeremy Renner and um, Amy Adams, it was a bit more focused on sort of just two characters, and it's still in a sci-fi environment, but uh, a bit more personal. And there's obviously Prisoners, which is um, again like very, very much a personal story, um, you know, about about two characters. So, yeah, it's um, a bit of a step up for him in terms of that. But I, you know, have you know very high hopes, and you know, I by no means expecting. Uh, the, the cast size to impact on the quality if if not if not anything it'll enhance the quality um I think yeah it's gonna be probably one of the biggest films of the year obviously Tenet which is just uh, released which we talked about last week um you know massive film with Nolan and yeah just just the cast looks incredible the the uh, the VFX looked really good and I think he'll do I think well, from what I was reading in, in the past sort of week or so is that um. Villeneuve's really liked the Dune universe and wanted to do something with it for a long time. And I don't know if you're yeah. aware of this, but yeah. they're also making a Dune prequel TV series. I only found that out today. Oh, okay. I also found out as well uh, in the past week that they're doing a this uh, this Dune film from Villeneuve is actually going to be a two part thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also only discovered that today. <laughs> so yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, this this film looks incredible. I, I mean, as uh, as Bo said, I've not. Um, I've not read the books. I've not seen any of the previous stuff other than like a couple of clips of the David Lynch one and uh, some. Obviously, I'd seen the promotional material which got released a few months back for this and the images and stuff. But I think just the actual the whole concept. I think sci-fi is something which you know if if you're interested in that sort of genre and, and that environment, then um, you know he's kind of very hard for for a film like this not to grab your attention especially with the as I, as I mentioned the cast and the director attached and, and Zimmer doing the the score and, and whatnot so yeah it looks like a really good um, really good project and I think just in comparison as I mentioned I mentioned Nolan there as well um, with Tenet and, and the likes of some of the other sci-fi films that he's done like Interstellar Inception and so on I think um, I think, te- think Tenet was a step in the right direction because I think a lot of people have we criticised Noah in the past for his um, his focus on, on male characters and, and not really f- being able to uh, maybe give female characters more developed arcs or dialogue or, or um, just sort of character development. Um, we've seen an arrival that Villeneuve is more than capable of, of having uh, female protagonists and, and June as well has, has got an extended cast with you know, the likes of Zendaya and uh, a lot of other uh, cast members. So yeah, it looks like it's going to be a very good film and uh, excited to hopefully he doesn't get delayed till next year because I'm really looking forward to watching it. I'm always excited to see as much of uh, Timothy Chalamet as possible. This <laughs> <laughs> lovely, very, very strong jawline. I would happily be bruised by that man's bone. <laughs> and 
Moving on, uh, I think we'll talk about another trailer before we move on to some news about television. Uh, we're going to go quickly say um, that I think you pulled me up on this the other day, Bo. Um, but the next, uh, the newest uh, trailer for No Time to Die, the upcoming James Bond oh, movie, came yeah. out. Was it you that came? Did, did you yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, we talked. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I'll I'll let you lead again because you're the one that started talking about. about um, I'm pretty excited for No Time to Die. I'm a big fan of Daniel Craig Bond movies, as we talked about a million times. Um, and yeah, the new trailer seems to indicate that I'll, I'm going to say I'll be very surprised if it isn't good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the the original trailer, I thought, you know, this is, is going to be another Bond film. You know, they are very slick. Um, they, um, you know what you're getting yourself into with a Bond film. And that's what the first trailer, I thought it would it would uh, you know, be very samey samey, you know, uh, and not really not really much to uh, to show other than uh, maybe a few few bad guys a few good guys battling it out but the second trailer did show a sort of a side of the film that i thought was more cinematic and they've definitely uh they've leaned into that before um with the previous film specter i thought that was a that was a good film to watch and look at and i and from a few of the clips in this uh the second trailer i believe we're going to get a a similar experience with uh with no time to die have uh have you seen the trailer jail yeah, I've seen it in cinemas as well. I think the I see I've not as as I've mentioned before on the podcast, I've not a as big of a Bond fan. I've not seen any of the pre Daniel Craig Bond films and I've not I've not very um I've not like recently seen uh Corner of Solos or Casino Royale. I've seen bits of them in the past but I've I've not really uh gone to watch them properly in, in full but once I've sort of been beyond the age of like a teenager or whatever, like a young, you know since I've been like been a bit more interested in film uh, but I'm going to hopefully get around to rewatching those early ones um, but the trailer as well as, as Bo said very cinematic um, I think there's some shots in there which you know look very very good and uh, it's definitely going to hopefully I mean I wasn't as big of a fan as Spectre but maybe that's just because I don't know maybe the characters or the sort of the origins or the backstories of some of the characters as, as well as, as some people but um, I think Skyfall for me was was incredible um even as a standalone thing, not knowing too much about the characters and and who was sort of mm-hmm. who and who came from where, you know, the, I thought the performances in that film were incredible, uh, from Daniel Craig and Javier Bardem and the likes of of the rest of the cast as well. Um, and yeah, this this film from the trailer at least seems to be leaning towards more of the Skyfall than the Spectre stuff that I enjoyed more uh, in terms of cinematography and uh, the characters and such. Obviously, Anna de Armas. Uh, is is back in this in a, in another big film with Daniel Craig, so um, yep. hopefully yeah. he can, you know, be as good if not better than the the Knives Out because I really like that film and I, I love Skyfall. So hopefully he can lean into that side of things a bit more. <laughs> better than Knives Out is a pretty high bar to aim for, <laughs> but um, yeah, I um, I do think it would be interesting how they balance the screen time between the kind of. Um, almost i would say kind of antagonist to a degree because then there's that woman that that is kind of shown in the trailer a few times as kind of having you know as, as, as i can't really exactly remember the the details of what's happened in previous films but he's got that that bird that he's angry with there's christopher Walt, christopher Walt's character there's remy malik's character so it's like it's going to be him competing against all those and there's also anna the armas and there's that new um, double O agent, the, the the female one. So it's interesting how they're going to be able to balance the screen time, of all the the protagonists and antagonists, um, some old ones coming back, um, like Q. So a lot of um, I'd say pretty damn ensemble 
um, for a, for a film that is traditionally so centered around one character. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think um, much like you, much bigger fan of Spyfall than I was Spyfall. That's a Doctor Who episode. <laughs> much bigger fan of Skyfall than I am of Spectre. Um, and uh, but yeah, so I think it it, it does uh, promise to be um, uh, obviously a box office hit and does promise to be pretty pretty damn good. And we're going to go on to some more. Um, Kind of further in the future news, uh, and I'm gonna let you take the uh, take the wheel for this one, uh, JL, and some news about um, some of the the <laughs> royal family. Yeah, so well, not so royal family these days. Well, yeah, yeah. So obviously, there was a couple months back the news about Harry and Meghan stepping down from royal duties and stuff, and now it's uh, it's come out that you know maybe Harry's going to the the uh, the old entertainment industry where Meghan came from because uh, there's been news over the past couple of weeks of Harry and Meghan um, have a new multi-year deal with Netflix uh, under which they will make various different properties and different projects uh, ranging from documentaries, feature films, scripted TV shows and children's shows. So... Yeah, it was just so a bit you of... wrote that on the running list, and I didn't read that really. I just kind of like ignored it. So what? <laughs> Harry and Meghan are making scripted television series and children series, and well, they're like they're producing it. They're not in it. Yeah, they're not in it. I don't know whether they're gonna oh, okay. be. I don't know how much involvement they're gonna have. Maybe <laughs> I they're just, like, like fucking Prince Harry on Sesame Street or some shit. <laughs> That's what I thought you were saying for a second. My nan's gonna be furious. I mean, my royalist nan's gonna be furious about this news. I mean, like, it was just a bit of fun news that I saw. But... Well, this, I'd say, is it, maybe I, I am right, because this comes at the same time. This, I haven't got this written down in the running order, but I did hear that I don't want you to get too emotional about this, Bo. I know you're a big fan of the show. It's been running for years. It's finally going to come to an end. Do you know where I'm going with this, Bo? Nope. Keeping up with the Kardashians. Oh, this, yeah. This ending. That is a hit. That is a hit. That really is. <laughs> This keeping up with the Kardashians is finishing after it's like fourteen years and twenty two series or something, and maybe Harry and Meghan will be looking into filling that the, the void which the Kardashians leave. Can you imagine? So, there's a show. Yeah, keeping up. There's a show keeping up with the that, um, that my dad showed me an episode from, and it's, it's called like the Windsors or something, and it's like some comedy spoof of the royal family, um, and it was actually quite funny. So I'm gonna get around to watching the full thing at some point, but. Can you imagine, like, if they did, like, a... So good. Like, a royal, like, a reality thing? Nah. I'd eat that shit up. Yeah, that would be very good. Yeah, as I said, all the the gammons in Britain would get absolutely furious. (laughs) Or they take the taxpayers' money and they go and they make fucking documentaries. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, there's been a lot of stuff with, um... Doesn't Michelle Obama have, like, a contract with, like, Netflix or something as well? She's like got she... a thing with Spotify, isn't she? She's got a podcast. Yeah, I think I think she's like I think the Obamas do like producing for like some Netflix documentaries and stuff. Um, I think one the of the Obamas, that's one the of the Oscar the nominated ones last need. year was uh, Michelle Obama thing, like attached thing. I can't remember, but um, there's a lot of people in sort of high positions of like political or whatever. Like obviously, like we'll we'll be covering that more in our sister show now voting. <laughs> Or not, Walking or not Dead voting. is going to finish. Uh, <laughs> is that again? 
No, Walking Dead is going to finish after season 11. Yeah, no, uh, see, this see was in one thing I'm de- devastated about uh, is not the, the Kardashians finishing. Um, that, 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 that's good for like... A... Two similar shows, arguably spin-offs of one another. Yeah. Walking Dead and uh, Keeping Up the Kardashians. I mean, to be fair, if Keeping the Kardashians ended up in like season 50, you never know, it could end up being like a zombie yeah. apocalypse. Yeah, mm-hmm. Can you imagine like Kim Kardashian... Oh, it's just like Pride and Prejudice versus Zombies, but it's just like Kardashians and like versus Zombies. But no, yeah, Walking Dead... significantly less Matt Smith than that film. What did you say? I said significantly less Matt Smith than in that film. Oh, right, your your favourite actor. Yeah, he's in he Project Zombies. But anyway, Walking, <laughs> but, yeah, the Walking anyway, Dead... The Walking Dead. ...is going to finish after Series 11. It's been going on for a fucking long time, but it's going to end up in 2021 after a specifically... Uh, a, Especially long series. Uh, it's going to have 24 episodes uh, yep. rather than the usual how many? Uh, I think it's normally 16, like eight yeah, episodes normally. per half season. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's going to end in 2021, 2022. I think it's 2022, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be finished, and Carol and Dan are going to get their own Dan. series. <laughs> Dan, <laughs> Daryl. Carol and Daryl are going to. Carol and Dan. Sp- this no. guy watches the Walking Dead. I don't Dead, watch his fucking tell. shit. <laughs> Avid viewer. <laughs> he watches Dan, every that's week. That's not the character's name. <laughs> so Carol and Daryl yeah. are going to be getting their own spin-offs yeah. in in Tales from the Walking Dead, mm-hmm. which implies they're not going to die, which is a bit strange, as you as we said off there. Um, and this comes at the same time as uh, Fear the Walking Dead is soon to return, and the Walking Dead World Beyond is going to be getting uh, a really soon a new second spin-off. Um, so it seems like The Walking Dead is ending up its uh, original uh, show to, show run as as, as it's maybe uh, a lot of people have personally uh, uh, believe it it's gotten uh, worse over time. Uh, so they're, they're cutting it off and they're focusing on um, starting up a new series in the same universe, which I think is a decision that probably hurts uh, some some fe- fans uh, feelings. But uh, such as you and and my mother, um, but in the long run, probably one for the best. Would you agree? It's one of those shows I think where for a long time I've been going, oh, it's been going on for so long. Like when's it gonna end? Like not in neg- necessarily a negative way, but just kind of thinking, oh, when's it gonna end? And now it's mm-hmm. now they've confirmed that it's ending. It's kind of like, oh no, it's like I don't know. It's one of those shows where I kind of endured it during its sort of uh, its lows, uh, around season sort of eight, seven, <coughs> eight, um, where it started yeah. to dip. Uh, since Angela Kang has come in as a new showrunner, it's, it's uh, really elevated in my opinion. I think some of the the new stuff is getting to a really sort of you know for for television and for the sort of keeping in in keeping with what they'd already done before. It was getting towards a more cinematic quality um, with some other stuff they were trying to go with, and especially in the last season. Um, obviously, we're still waiting for the end of that season um, because of the pandemic. Uh, we've got an extra couple of episodes to look forward to, and then we've got a season eleven with. 24 episodes um, and then yeah as you say with the spin-offs um, I know Sam you're personally looking forward to watching World Beyond and getting back into the universe but with a different uh, mm-hmm. entry point because obviously you've not been uh, been watching as avidly as I have over the past sort of five six years um, but yeah it's, it's an interesting decision um, to end it I think maybe given the, the, the situation in the world with, with filming and production and such it's probably maybe that's maybe um, accelerated the, the plans maybe um, and obviously, yeah. if, they, if they're going to do a 24-episode season, um, they can probably... Maybe they're going to do... 
obviously it's six in, six in episodes in a regular season um, so they're getting extra episodes maybe they're just going to have a jam-packed action packed last season and then just cut out a lot of the filler episodes that are in the regular seasons and just kind of almost make it like a two almost kind of combine the last what would have been two seasons the main content mm-hmm. into one season um, if they do that yeah. it could be really good and like a nice hurrah compared to something like Game of Thrones which obviously we've talked about before uh, wasn't necessarily as well received but going into those other spin-off shows as well be nice to see some some different characters some different uh, different stories and some stuff that's not just based on the uh, the source material as well yeah and um, obviously we uh, any any all four of our long-term listeners will, will know that um, you're obviously big into it and we talked about it a few times and, we, and obviously it was one of your desert island DVDs it was uh, it was with the walking dead um but um not so familiar uh with bo's uh experience with the walking dead mm. and uh, just out of curiosity more than anything um kind of how much have you been watching watched the whole thing um i could not get through at all the jordan mentioned that there was a low point during uh, around seasons eight uh, seven and eight and that was when i stopped watching i uh, i i think i've seen seasons one through six about four times um, just because I, it was probably one of the best shows um, that was available at the time. It was, um, it was previously a phenomena. Um, it, it was, it was, it, it was unheard of. It, like the the ratings were sky high. There was uh, millions of people watching every episode, and uh, yeah. I think that right now at this point it is definitely a, a shadow of its former self. However, I think for the people like Jordan who did sit through it and uh, and survived the. Uh, um, the sort of the reshuffle the behind the scenes um, it definitely did improve after I, I haven't seen it but the general uh, the popular opinion is that it's gotten a lot better than it, than it was um, during the period that I left yeah that seems quite a, a common story with, with uh, long run TV shows that they lose so much of their viewership when they're the poorest and people just kind of never get back into it despite how like no matter how good it gets mm-hmm. um, and I was a long term book 2 fan I'm, uh, I'm used to that but um, obviously, if, if it went through a down period, it probably a lot of the, the view base got left. And, and no matter how good it becomes, people won't want to have to go sit through those old shit episodes yeah, again. Yeah. So it probably makes a, a, a natural decision to kind of get it towards an end, especially if it's going to have this like big super packed series that might be getting people to watch that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, some some quite surprising, quite big TV news. Um, it's less uh, big and amazing. Um, is this is almost more news because it invalidates other news because Sony, we've talked often about what Sony uh, are doing with their million different Spider-Man um, spin-off films and such. Um, you know, we talked about Craven Hunter Hunter series, uh, uh, Seven Hunter film, uh, Spider-Woman series, Madame Web, you know, loads and loads of different things. And um, they have kind of announced today that it seems that Sony are planning a spin-off series about the um, spider person silk uh, also a real name cindy moon who that you know is, a, is an asian uh, character and um i guess this is not particularly big news you know making a live action series and we don't know who it's about and we don't know who it's going to be um starring in it or whatever but i guess it's more news because this means that they won't be making a silk um film as far as i know i don't think they have actually fully announced uh who is going to be the main character of um olivia wilde's 
uh, Spider-Man spin-off Batwoman character. I guess this essentially confirms that it's going to be Spider-Woman, whether it's Spider-Gwen or Jessica Drew, we're not so sure. But yeah, we do know that it won't be about Silk because Sony are planning their first uh, live-action series, if I'm right in saying, um, about the, that character. So. Yeah. There was a... I'm pretty sure there was a character called Cindy in the Tom Holland Spider-Man films, wasn't there? And, like, there was, like, you, oh, you is this going like... to go down this road or whatever? Um, I don't know what they're going to do with... Because I, I didn't I didn't heard of this uh, this Silk TV show until you mentioned it earlier. So, yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to, to see whether they tie it into the, the... Maybe the films. Maybe they'll kind of use the TV show as, like, a... I mean, it seems like a counterintuitive thing to do, but maybe like a test run to see if the character gets any traction and then maybe introduce the character into the films. I don't know. Because I believe they have confirmed they're going to be using Silk in an upcoming Spider-Verse film about... I think I'm right in saying Spider-Gwen, Jessica Drew and Silk are going to be in a Spider-Verse film. Okay. But what we um, we can't be too sure. Um, a bit distracted. Um, then, so the last piece of news is um, probably, you know, fuck June, fuck um, No Time to Die. Um, I, I fuck Black Widow and Wonder Woman and all that shit, Batman. The film that I'm most looking forward to, I, I found out about today, is that Borat 2 is being made by Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, it, it's kind of found out through leaks. I believe someone saw him dressed as Borat driving through the streets of, of America. And, um, you know, I, Borat, is, is, I've talked about it on, on the Desert Underdivies uh, episode. I didn't choose it, but I very much considered it. It's one of my favourite comedy films. I absolutely love Borat. And um, obviously Borat is kind of well known, um, what he looks like now. Um, so they can't have him undercover talking to real people like they did uh, with the first film. So as from what I, uh, we understand at this point, very early in the, the production is that it seems to be Borat going undercover. So it's going to be Sasha Baron Cohen playing Borat, playing other characters. The interview says Cohen playing Borat, playing Cohen. What, what he, he does, you know, kind of almost similar to his series, Who is America? Where I was he just going to say that, yeah. Yeah, in, in kind of modern day, um, super politically charged America and, and triggered the liberals and triggered the, <laughs> the far right. Oh no! And, but then um, no, but then did you hear about the um, so Satch Bronker and like there was like a, a like a rally or something recently, like some kind of event, like some I don't know Trump or what, I don't know what it, what it was exactly. But did you hear about this? You're a big Trump fan, aren't you, Jordan? Yeah, really big fan. I'm like, really, 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 really bigly. Um, love this guy. Um, no, <laughs> so I didn't hear about this. No, did you, did you hear about the the Satch Bronker thing in America where he like he went to some event where they were like hard um like just i think it was a trump thing um but anyway so he went on stage and was like singing and he was like singing about like loads of like dodgy stuff and getting people to like join in have you not seen the video after oh i'll have to send you the video but he was like making people sing no. about like no. corona and like um obama and stuff oh i see yeah, so he was like, "Yeah, I'll just send it." So you, there but... might be four Borat too. We, so we very we know very little about that. So maybe that's that's something that comes is going to come from the film. But um, I do really wonder how it will be received in in modern age. Two thousand six is very different times now. I've got a feeling that um, that like it seems that uh, you know he's quite a 
a kind of left-leaning guy and a lot of whilst there was some exceptions most of um who is america was him taking the piss out of people more traditionally to be called on the right um however i feel like maybe running around america um with a like faux eastern european super over the top accent and talking about in my country maybe we'll get people on the left annoyed as well so i wonder if it's gonna get like an awful lot of backlash from both sides um we'll have to see that i absolutely adore borat so the concept of any more borat is is good with me and unless there's anything else i think that wraps it up for the news today so got anything else you want to say Ari? no not particularly just oh, obviously no. borat and bruno um were very much kind of Acquired tastes almost. I think Sasha Rancone is very. Most people are kind of like you really, really like his stuff, or you kind of just think he, you know, you just kind of don't want to like endorse it, or you know, you kind of don't really get get it. Um, just don't get it, yeah. But I think I think um, I don't know. It's one of those things where I kind of always we discussed this before, like in private, like off the podcast. But it's kind of like hard to judge like Bora and Bruno and stuff um, as like as like as like pieces of media like how do you it's kind of hard to to rate them almost like for me i've got them rated a bit lower than you i think on letterboxd but it's in a way i kind of think maybe we should have them a bit higher because i do think they're really really um interesting and funny pieces so yeah it's kind of hard to judge some stuff like that sometimes i think the key people uh thing people need to to think about when they're rating stuff like who is America and and Borat and Bruno and and you know I think an Ali G of course um, is that you know people get hu- uh, really kind of hung up on what he says and, and what he does and how he dresses and oh this is you know offensive to this person this is offensive to that I think the key thing they understand need to understand is that the characters he he uses like there are scenes when he's on their own and you know in the, in the hotel getting naked and such but. With the with the exception of a few of those kind of scripted scenes, ninety nine percent of the film, the com- he is the, that character just to get the comedy out of the normal person in open brackets normal normal person. Oh, for you sure, know, yeah. It, it's it's just all about forcing as much out of these people as possible in the funniest way possible. You know, he's not the attraction the people reacting to them are, and maybe even if they appear offensive sometimes, the characters you need to understand that it's not. The, the characters aren't there the characters are there to just pull out the, the funny bits from the real people and oh yeah for sure maybe, I think yeah. there's, there's moments in is it Bora I think it is where they go to like stay at someone's like guest house or something and he starts talking oh, about yeah, Jewish people yeah. and like obviously he's Jewish so like I'm well aware that it's like a character and it's supposed to be kind of you know trying to get reactions and, and get the sort of stupid stuff that people say out of, of it I just I didn't mean like um in an no, 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 I'm just talking just... about myself about how I'm thinking that people are going to react. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's very early on now, so we haven't really got much to talk about it. But I'm just um, excited it's coming out, so we'll have to see what happens with that. And if there's any more news, I'm sure we will report on it. Um, but slightly strange order. But I think we are now ready to start talking about what we've been watching, um, which we normally do at the start. And uh, you know, this week we're going to start off with our guest, Bo. Since we last talked to you two weeks ago, are there any films that you feel are worth talking about? Ooh. Ooh, that's true. I think uh, I think every film is worth talking about, Sam. Oh but... uh, yeah, it's, it's an absolute now shower. <laughs> yeah, I have been absolutely ploughing through films. I I am going through an absolute list of bangers, but uh, I have been 
I will say that the most recent ones haven't been uh, too top-notch. So, about five minutes before starting the podcast, I watched You Were Never Really Here. We're starring uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, which was a, I've, I've seen it before. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. I thought that the story was not for me, honestly. I, uh, I, I, that isn't what I, I enjoyed the most out of that, film, that, um, that movie. Um, what I enjoyed was the, uh, this, the telling, the showing, not telling of the, of the, of the story. Um, not what was being, not what was being shown, but I really liked the way it was filmed and the subtle uh, cues and. Uh, and nods towards the the character's um, mental state and the way it was uh, it was played. I thought that it's a shame that I didn't enjoy the plot as much as it as it should, as I um, as I could have because it would have been a very good film. But sadly, um, I think that it wasn't a top tier film for me at least. That's interesting. I I really liked it. Um, Did you? Yeah, I thought. Uh, I thought Joaquin was, you know, incredible. I think a lot of people drew comparisons when when Joker came out. For instance, there was a lot of people comparing his performances and saying he deserved oh, yeah, the Oscar yeah. more for for that film. Um, I don't necessarily agree. I think Joker, his performance in Joker was was probably better. Um, but yeah, I think you never really hear was was really. I I really enjoyed it. Uh, well, mm-hmm. no, it's not necessarily for me joy, but I. I enjoyed it in the sense of I, I kind of really appreciated the the filmmaking, um, and the character sort of um, that the character that had been that had been created and yeah, as you say, it's not necessarily a, a plot which people will um, enjoy, but I think in terms of creating an atmosphere and an environment and 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 sort of a really close character study, um, Joaquin is one of the best, if not, you know, one well, probably not if not the best. Um, currently for for having those those roles in really close character studies and um mm. yeah especially the the mentally deranged or the mentally struggling oh yeah he's very he's yeah. got his no uh, niche yeah have you have he's you seen it Sam? I'm, not sure you, I'm not sure if you've seen it i have not seen it but i okay. can talk out my ass about anything <laughs> so uh, i uh, i'm gonna probe you here Bo, okay. um and um in a very sexual manner. Okay. I'm going to. Um, I, I do know um, that you have watched a film that we've discussed before in the podcast, um, and um, recently, yeah, and I recently added it to my top four on Letterboxd, um, and that is um, is the is the original Blade Runner. I'm aware that oh, you yeah. have seen Blade Runner 2049 <clears throat> a long time ago or something, mm. um, but only recently um, watched the final cut version. The version that both me and Jordan watched of um, of Blade Runner, the original, uh, the the Ridley Scott film, yeah. and uh, and just want to have your your thoughts on on Blade Runner because it's a fucking great film. In well, my opinion. I yeah, love that film. I I really I really did enjoy it. I think I um I wasn't appreciating it as a as a film. It was sort of just unlocking an even greater sort of appreciation that I already had. You know, like uh, I what I've watched the um the uh, the newest Blade Runner. Um, 2049, like I think five times now. I think I believe um, it's like a it's a long film that I always put on, like a like a flight that I know I'll enjoy during a flight. And um, I think now that I've watched that, it's given me a lot. It's given Sells. me a lot to uh, to uh, sort of a deeper understanding of the universe, really. And um, I, I how about you do your review of Blade Runner? But as you do, it, I occasionally just say the word cells and interlink. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, to, be, <laughs> to be honest, I quite like I quite enjoyed when he says cells interlinked over and over and over throughout the whole film for two hours long. But <clears throat> that's the extended edition. Yeah, the original Blade Runner is definitely something that you should watch if you enjoy um, the uh, 2049. Which do you prefer? Just have interest. Ooh, I think I prefer the uh, 2049. Honestly. Yeah, same. Yeah, I think- yeah. JL did as well. Yeah. I, I um, I, I'm because I'm so hipster and niche. I prefer the the older mm. one. I think it's actually a bit more. As I said before, <laughs> on going back to the the first episode of of uh, this iteration of, of now showing uh, that I think that that 2049 is almost um, the original Blade Runner on steroids. It's like the music is great in in the first Blade Runner. The music's like also great if not better in, in 2049 the cinematography is, is like quite intense in, in Blade Runner it's even intenser in thing and it's like the story is slightly muddled in, in the original Blade Runner I feel like the story is even more muddled in 2049 at points um, I can't exactly remember my, my exact reasons but I feel like um, if you know I think there's an argument to be made that, that Blade Runner 2049 is so um, close in its recreation that it's just like um it's like a, an a explosion of, of everything that is kind of Blade Runner-ness uh, and, and this kind of creative world and it's just like a very very um, faithful rendition of that universe and it's like a, a super intense version of the original mm. okay so I will go on to what I've been watching over the last few weeks and I think I'm going to say the two same two things that JL is going to because I'm going to be talking about the film we talked about last week I'm going to be talking about Tenet I'm going to be talking about I'm thinking of ending things so I'll start off with do you want to do actually I'm assuming we both want to talk about these two films JL uh yeah I I mean I just briefly mention um I also so since we last recorded uh, since we lost Tanner, I have also seen a film that you have seen, uh, which is The Invisible Man. I finally got around to watching it. Oh yes, of course. Um, and it was so funny. So I must have, I must have known this. I came out the cinema and I went to watch it with. Um, was it just my? I think it was just my dad. I went to watch it with. Um, yeah, I think it was. And I came out and I was like talking to him about it, and then. So. <laughs> I came out. I was like, "Oh, this is, that film was really good. Like, I really enjoyed it." And then I was talking about, um, I was like, "Oh yeah, this this other film that my brother watched uh, on Netflix called Upgrade, and um, yeah, it has like some similar like cinematography and some similar like uh, camera work and stuff." And then I got home. I was reading some trivia, and then I read. I was like, "Yeah, it's the same director. I must have, I must have known that, oh, really? but I just completely forgot." Um, I see. But yeah, no. Upgrade. I really enjoyed Upgrade. Um, I didn't see it in cinemas, unfortunately. I watched it on Netflix, uh, like earlier this year. It was one of the first films I watched this year. And yeah, The Invisible Man. I just really, really liked. Um, I know you enjoyed it. I don't know if you maybe enjoyed it as much as I did. Actually, uh, I really, yeah, really I, I liked it. I thought it was like a pretty damn solid horror kind of horror film. Oh, film. for I sure. Elizabeth yeah. Moss had a, had a great uh, performance, but I didn't think it was like amazing or winning any Oscars. I thought it was a decent film. It was the last time I saw it in cinema before um, that that flu thing went yeah. out. And then I the other day I was I can't remember what I was doing. I was just like sitting on my phone and my phone just like blows up and he missed me like fifteen times. Oh my fucking god, <laughs> this man so fucking good. Yeah, well like, the, wow, thing, the, the thing is, is like, it, was good. it takes it takes everything from Upgrade because it's I don't know. It's, I think it's Lee Winnell. I think that's how you say his name. I'd, sorry if I've butchered that. Um, but he he basically he's a faithful listener. From what I've read, he um he went to a meeting with Universal's um, and they basically was just like you know he went to meet him with them, 
and they're saying like, oh yeah, we have like to upgrade and blah blah blah, and then they're like, okay, do you want to do the Invisible Man? And um, I think it kind of takes a lot of things from Upgrade and just heightens them to a completely another level. The, the budget of Upgrade was like three million dollars, which for a, you know a massive film is is pretty much nothing. Um, and some of the stuff they did within that budget was incredible for Upgrade, and then it just you know it just elevates all the elements from that film. Um, some of the horror elements, uh, the camera work, cinematography, uh, character like character um, focus and stuff, and I think just for the Invisible Man, like to because oh, I have not seen like the original Universal Monsters stuff, um, but to to take a story um, which has been done before and in many many iterations, but has been more of like a you know to to, to upgrade it to. Um, Excuse the pun. <laughs> to upgrade it to a yeah. to a modern day setting and to bring in some themes which um, you know very rarely addressed in in, in big films and but but, but, but do um, but which do need talking about you know some of the some of the themes about like relationships and um, you know there's a, there's a heavy uh, theme of like gaslighting and and stuff throughout the film yeah. which you know yeah. very often don't get addressed in in big films. I think it did a lot of a lot of um, a lot of things right in terms of horror and, and thriller, but also a lot of things right in terms of social and political commentary. And you know, I th- obviously, I think, yeah, go, go, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say I think I'm not certain because you know I'm 19, not 68, but I'm I'm pretty sure that the original Invisible Man's films uh, normally seem to have. I think I'm not saying the Invisible Man is the protagonist. He's like kind of unlucky and he wants to get rid of this thing that's like been forced upon him. Whereas the Invisible Man is very much the antagonist within the newest rendition. Yeah. And I, as well, I was going to say that um, you know it's a big film and giving the director to say they've upgrade uh, a big budget, you know, obviously leads to to a film that could be as good as as the Invisible Man was. But I think also when you're comparing it to like it's it's a big film, but it's not a big film on the scale that like big big films are these days. You know, it wasn't exactly like you know yeah. you know Marvel or anything. But with with a budget that isn't as high comparison as, as like the top top films, I thought it had a VFX that that could arguably match up against um, any film. I thought it was oh very, for sure very good yeah VFX-wise, yeah. And I was reading as well there's a lot of they did a lot of practical stuff as well like even just simple stuff like using strings to pull open and close cupboards and stuff and you know it, it was one of those films as well where it did a lot of things <laughs> where um, kind of like just just doing things differently and having a like a different style um you know it, it had you have those like lingering shots of, of emptiness and you kind of always on the edge of your seat like wondering you know uh is so is the invisible man there is is someone there in that corner or in that chair or um yeah and and it kind of broke rules in a way where sometimes it just you know um Elizabeth Moss's character would just leave the screen, like leave the frame, and then it would just linger for like an, a, a second too long, and you always just sort of have that doubt in your mind. It just it just did things which I thought were really interesting, um, which we don't necessarily see um, in, in in as you say, not necessarily a big big massive blockbuster film, but um, certainly uh, a film that a lot of people saw and a lot of people enjoyed. And yeah, it was just I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good film, and um, yeah, just taking that sort of older story to a, to a modern in a modern audience and a modern setting okay yeah yeah, yeah. also Candyman as well uh, coming out which is going to be hopefully be a similar vein um, oh yeah of course which uh, the, the trailer which is quite good yeah. and uh, I, I just want to say you know I guess we'll move on uh, now to, to two films that we've both seen so we'll kind of do 
mini reviews. I'm going to keep the tenant ones who very short because we talked about tenant in detail last week's podcast with the three of us. Um, but I just want to say, you know, we both talked about it, so I'll talk about it, then you talk about it, then we'll talk about it, I think, rending things. But um, I just want to say that it, it isn't, comes as no surprise to anyone that's seen the film or anyone that knows anything about Nolan. I would not have been shocked at all if I told myself this before the first time I saw Tenet. But Tenet is certainly better with the second watch. Um, I think that I gave it like a seven... Um, last podcast it could very easily be moved up to something like a nine um i think there is almost an argument to be made um I, uh, and it's kind of similar argument that i will kind of make with uh, i'm thinking of many things but is the fact that you i think most people that come out of 10 at first time are like oh i definitely understand that second time better i think it'd be way better second time you know people talk about how great the film is is there, is there not an argument to be made that that itself implies uh, almost a failure to a degree of the filmmaking that you know, you're making a film that is great, but only great when you have to spend two watches watching it. Uh, it means, is, is there not an, an argument to make that it, it's less accessible, therefore, you know, the filmmaker has almost failed to a degree? Um, I don't necessarily know if I'd agree with that statement myself. I'm always playing devil's advocate, but um, I think there's an argument to be made. But I thought the film was a lot better once you knew what the dialogue was about. Um, I'm not going to go into spoilers because obviously we, we didn't talk about spoilers in the actual episode about it but when they're talking stuff like the art dealer and stuff which happens very early in the film I didn't know what I was listening to didn't know what I was thinking about last the first time yep. um, and I did the second time and I'm not going to say what's happening but there's kind of towards the, the film I'd say about two hours into the film um, the second watch I turned to, to the person I was watching with and I went Oh, I get it now. And after <laughs> only after only after like four and a half hours of watching that film did I understand yeah, the full yeah. understand what the plot and, and the stakes and such. Um but yeah, no, um I gotta leave it to over to you, but yeah, you watched the film a second time as well. Yeah, there was I mean, you mentioned there about is it a failure if if a director, you know, has something that's so incomprehensible, especially in certain parts, uh, on a first watch. I don't know if I'd agree though because you 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 know this this films where people will say oh this is a great film you can watch it every day and still love it and um, you know just because they're 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 rewatchable for a different reason for sure they're more accessible than just easy watches or they're just fun and and good films but I think with something like Tenet or even you know as we'll come to talk about um, I'm thinking of any things there's there's very much a sense of the the very um, very much able to make you feel very small and inconsequential, and uh, and to make you think about all things in a, in a different way, and you know to to just sort of really challenge an audience. I think uh, Nolan Kaufman and sort of a lot of other directors, um, well, certain other directors, are, are very much able to challenge audiences and to sort of throw the gauntlet down and say, you know, uh, you know, you might not understand it on the first watch or even the second watch, and this and the certain parts even of Tenet where uh, I went to watch it again. And I'm probably going to go watch it again because I've got a free IMAX upgrade with my uh, with my Limitless uh, for this month. So I'll probably go watch it again in IMAX. But I think there's even parts now, even after a second watch and after reading about people's theories and explanations on Reddit and articles and YouTube videos and whatnot, there's still parts for me where it's still there's still parts where I'm like, oh, hang on a minute, what? So he he did this, or you know, what happened there, or how did he get there, or who is this, or you know, what's going on, like. You know, there's just there's, there's certain parts where I won't talk about for spoilers for, for sake, but um, there's even parts I was learning about after second watch and, and re, re like rereading things that um, I was still learning about uh, sort of timelines and and you know who's where or when and and so on. So yeah, really really great film. I really enjoyed it. And as you said, you put you bumped it up. I think on a first watch, I was kind of like 
hmm, is this going to be too much? Is it going to be, you know, Nolan trying too hard to challenge audiences? And almost, I felt like for the first re- for the first watch, I almost felt like Nolan was very much winking at the audience at several points. You know, he, there's, there's, there's <laughs> even dialogue in the film where there's people saying, yeah. don't understand it. Um, this is, what's going on? I don't understand what's going on. This is so confusing. And, you know, this, this yeah, sort of yeah, dialogue yeah. in the film where I get the sense that Nolan was very much kind of going wink wink nudge nudge you know this is a nolan film um but no i i, I agree on a second watch um very much uh, an improved experience not that the first time was was bad i i gave it a i think i gave it a not four and a half on letterboxd originally but i i put it in my nolan ranked list even though the films below it i'd given a five star i put it above them originally even because i knew that on a rewatch i'd probably enjoy it a lot more uh, and i did in in a way it kind of was one of those films where i was like it is a five star film, but I don't want to give it five star till I've rewatched it and fully understand everything, or at least more so. Um, but yeah, so it's, to, it's uh, gone up quickly, to a five for me. I want to quickly say something that's almost slightly spoilery. So uh, if you don't want to hear it, skip forward about a minute or 30 seconds. Um, I probably want you to get the second time. And I said this to Bo earlier. Both times, the amount of cringe I felt when Kenneth Branagh's character says, if I can't have you, then no one can. It was absolutely immeasurable both times. That was such a cringy line. Thoughts? Yeah, but I think it's intentionally so. Um, okay, spoiler over. <laughs> I don't spoil spoiler over. Or spoiler I warning. Like I oh, say. Maybe you feel absolutely. It's like oh, so cheesy. No, no, but, but yeah. I think it's intentionally so because like his whole, his whole like character. Um, motive is just he's an insane guy who's like playing God and like you know yeah 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 no yeah, I he just is yeah and I you do think it's cringe like that line but then at the same time it makes sense I guess like it, it is very much in character at that point and you kind of understand why um Kat is very much wanting to hey hey we get we don't need to we don't need to be that spoilery don't need to be that spoilery come on well, hang okay. on a minute. I thought you said spoiler warning about things. Yeah, but then I said uh, spoilers over. Oh, okay. Well, okay, spoilers are over now. Spoilers are over now. Okay. Bo, you haven't left in the dark here. We're talking about four films in a row that you ain't seen. It's okay. You the, how you doing, Bo? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm, just, I'm, watching, I'm actually corner. watching a film right now where you two ramble <laughs> on. <so. laughs> yeah. The Is it Borat? Your... <laughs> I wish it was Borat too, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I, also watched, um, I also watched Good Old Scott Pilgrim in the cinema again. Uh, oh really? Yeah, I still haven't seen that. Yeah, actually. yeah. Tenth anniversary showing. Uh, it was nice to see it in Very cinemas nice. again. Exactly, Mundo. And I guess we'll go on to this is a little mini mini review. We're going to be talking about the Kaufman film. I'm thinking of ending things, which came out this week on Netflix. I previously said uh, it's been described by other people, and I wouldn't disagree, as the least Netflix film to be released on Netflix. Um, it stars uh, Jesse Buckley and. Uh, well, two Jessies, Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons, uh, with as well as a few other characters such as uh, Tony Collette and David Thewlis, um, to give a, a brief synopsis. Uh, I would, I don't know how the fuck I would describe the film, <laughs> but I guess I would go as basically saying um, it's about a, a girl who embarks on a road trip to his her boyfriend's house um, dis- to meet his parents for the first time, despite the fact that she is thinking of ending things. Um, past that, you know, you know, I, I guess anyone that, that knows uh, Kaufman, I actually haven't seen a Kaufman film before, so I'm just going off um, 
what other people are saying. Uh, I know JL is a big fan of, of a lot of his films, such as uh, Sindoka, New York. Is that how you pronounce it? Sinidoc uh, or Sinidoka. I never know. I think it's Sinidoc, but I, I never know how to say that first word. Yeah, and, and being John Malkovich and adaptation and such. Um, I think it's very much uh, kind of typical of his style and, and it's particularly confusing and um, there's you could, like arguments about what different parts of the film mean, there are very abstract settings where, um, you know, I don't think it would be a spoiler to say that there's a point where the two characters are talking and then they get replaced by different actors who do a musical theatre version of the scene they're talking about um, there's a lot of uh, kind of layers on layers and, and I, I think... Um, you know, I, I kind of did get the gist of the film. I did understand the um, the, the me message behind it. However, there were points where I was thinking, but who, what does that mean? What does who that thing? But I think overall it did seem to, to tell a, a fairly coherent story, but certainly describe it as a film that wasn't for everyone. Uh, perhaps, um, again, I'm not trying to talk down because I haven't seen the film. I don't know how it is, but I know both talked about how he felt that the the message of high life was so shrouded in allegory and, and confusion that arguably um the the journey spent finding the me actual message and meaning of the film uh, seemed pointless or, or seemed too much work uh, i think maybe if I, I don't know what that film's like so i don't know maybe a thing but i guess if you of that opinion on a lot of films or where you particularly had a problem with i guess i wouldn't think it'd be unfair to say a pretentious style or coming across at least a potential style um, but I think if you're willing to um, accept some of the events um, as they come and you kind of like the challenge of trying to put the pieces together uh, it certainly is an entertaining watch and it tells a, a story that um, is, is very close to to reality uh, it seems that, that Kaufman is an expert at examining uh, what makes humans so human and things such as age and the human condition and such but I think the most praise I can give for the film the cinematography is brilliant directing is brilliant but I think the most praise that I will give would be for um, Jesse Buckley who plays the, the young main character and um, I'd say overall um, a, a challenging uh, but overall worthwhile experience that I would say um, it, it's a tough one to rate because in many ways is so incredibly excellent and in some ways felt like more of a struggle than it was worth but I think I'll average it out a very typical Sam rating of about eight and a half JL would you like to uh, put your thoughts on the uh, on the experience yeah so obviously Kaufman um, is the director of Cynic Doc or whatever New uh, however you say it New York uh, which currently sits I think third on my letterbox like all time favourite films um, very much absurdism and existentialism and as you said the human condition and making you think a lot and challenging you and not necessarily even giving you all the pieces never mind all the answers and um, yeah it's very challenging watch um, I think Ooh, maybe I did it I just want to cut in actually because I forgot to say something Yeah. Um, if, if you don't mind me just cutting over I just want to say uh, before you, you get to it, the um, it's relatively early in the film. The performance of Tony Collette and David Thewlis as the parents of, of the main characters, the main male character, perhaps provides the most uncomfortable mm -hmm. 20 minutes of, of film history and it is absolutely excellent. And it's amazing how well they 
uh, purvey this this feeling of um uncertain uh, of kind of awkwardness and uh, you know you just want to get out and it's just so close and it's horrible i think that uh, maybe that that kind of set of scenes could go down in a film museum for how to convey that that feeling of of just you know awkwardness and and horridness and ugh yeah, and Tony Collette as well. I, I've because I've not seen. I know she's in the Sixth Sense, but I've not seen that. And I've um, yeah, like she was in obviously Knives Out, and I've not seen Hereditary, but I've seen um sort of clips and segments of her performance in that film, and obviously in this film, I think she's right up there for me in terms of like she just kind of came out of nowhere. I hadn't really heard of her before um before like last year, and then just three. From what I've well, I'm not seeing Hereditary as I said, but from what I've seen and heard, uh, three absolutely incredible performances in those three films. Um, but yeah, as you say, I think just going back to sort of my general thoughts on it, um, I don't want to go speak for too long, but I think, as I was saying, kind of giving you not even the f- all the pieces, never mind uh, the all the answers. And I think it was interesting. Very much keeps you uh, engaged, even if you don't fully understand or um sort of pick up on on things or maybe you kind of going well, on what's the what what's going on here or um or whatnot but i think there was several moments in the film where something was said and then you kind of go hang on a minute but that doesn't make sense because they said this or yeah um yeah. or whatnot and i think it's just very much challenging film the, um you know and he's kind of always making you think about about what's what like what's yeah, it's just a very... It's kind of hard to explain. And <laughs> yeah. the one thing I don't want to do is... The, this is a film, and I mentioned this with Tenet, because obviously with Tenet, I gave it a four and a half, but then rated it, like, listed it higher in my ranking of Nolan films than some five-star films, knowing kind of preemptively that it was probably going to get to that point anyway once I'd watched it and thought about it a bit more. I think with this film, it's going to be a similar case where I'm naturally not going to give it a rating on Letterboxd. Um until I've watched it again because I don't or at least I've thought about it a bit more because I don't want to just give it and it's one of those films I need to think about I think um, very much so with with Kaufman films um, I think this is definitely you know he, he's been um, a director of uh, three films now so he did this New York and he also did Anomalisa which I really like a lot of people don't like it and I really did like it uh, and then obviously he's a writer for several Films, Adaptation, Eternal Sunshine, Spots Mind, Being John Markovich. Um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to anything he does in the future because I think he's one of those very much auteur directors. Um, you know, you think of someone like Paul Thomas Anderson or Wes Anderson or, or directors like that who you can watch a film yeah, from them. Ending with Anderson. Yeah, yeah, you can watch, a, you can, you know, but you can watch from those films and just know for inst- for sure that they directed it. I think with with Kaufman, it's very much the same. Um, similar themes but um, still having very unique uh, and interesting perspectives on, on different issues so yeah I'd I'd very much recommend it if you have Netflix um, yeah just give it a go and just go in just kind of going blind and just kind of just embrace it and, and, get, and try and engage with it but um, at the same time just kind of go with it and just, just go on the journey don't don't try, don't try think too much about it just kind of yeah. as, as with Tenet as well just kind of go in and just Enjoy kind of experience it, it. yeah yeah Bo, did you enjoy that little kind of backhanded insult about High Life again, despite the fact that I still haven't seen it, so I can't <clears> judge. Yep, 
I would love you to watch it, so we can we can uh, we should all I'll come back it. for an anniversary podcast <laughs> and just review High Life. <coughs> two hours, two hours. I'll, I'll watch <laughs> it. I'll watch it ahead hour. of the next episode. I'll I'll watch High Life and I will give you my thoughts. I cannot do. promise that I will watch High Life. You should make the promise. Make the promise. I'm busy, dude. I'm going to university. Man. Mm-hmm. Okay, bro. Um, okay, so. Little foreshadowing. We don't know what we're going to have in the podcast next week, seeing as I'm going to university, so it might come out late next week. And I'm we're going to move on to the main topic of the episode, which is the New Mutants. Um, it was the 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 final film of uh, Fox's uh, X Men franchise universe. Um, a semi, I I I think I, I would say uh, ensemble cast to a degree. Um, Starring the likes of Maisie Williams, Anya Taylor Joy, Charlie Heaton. Um, the main character is uh, an actress called Blue Hunt, who I hadn't heard of before. Who um, and she's been in a few things. There's been a, 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 a few other small actors, uh, but a decent um, kind of cast of, of younger stars. And um, it's a kind of situation of a school kind of the uh, kind of evil version of uh, the x-men in a way it's like a, a kind of school for um for mutants but it's not really as it seems it's a little bit eerie and um and it, it show it kind of follows this this uh, blue hunt who plays danny danny moonstar who's a, a native american mutant who's not sure of her powers and, uh, and she goes through her for life as a mutant and well you know what you know what boys we're going to spoil a fool. This film was not particularly well well received. It was <laughs> nobody's watched it. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to put a spoiler warning on now. Um, there aren't many spoilers, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be talking about the ending, and the I'm going to start spoilers now. I'm going to put it in the description, start and the end of um, the review. So if you don't want to hear it, you can skip to the end, and we'll talk about what we're doing next week and such. But um, the whole thing's going to have spoilers in. Don't feel afraid to leave spoilers out. Such a video with Tenet because this film is obviously not uh, the same degree of Tenet. And um, I guess I'd have some fairly unpopular opinions on the film, um, but I'll get that uh, to that in a minute because I'm going to start off with everybody's the the best. Mank we've ever had on the podcast, JL. The best like you to have literally um, top okay. one Mank. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, the new mutants. <sighs> okay, I um, uh, okay, right. So it, my problem with this film is okay. This is okay. Okay, let me. Pre- this is not a problem with the film. This is a problem with with me. <laughs> one of many. Um, is mm-hmm. that I went into the film having not read reviews, um, but having seen headlines and people's comments and tweets and letterboxed jokey reviews, um, basically saying about how much of an abomination this film was and, and blah, blah, blah. So I went in kind of not expecting very much, but still having hope that I would like it. Um, I will say I did like it more than maybe not most, but more than a lot of people. Um, Look, it was... For the last Fox film, um, like the last, you know, non-MCU X-Men film, which 
has been in production nightmare, has been delayed and delayed and delayed, and I was thinking, you know, even though it's been delayed so long, then surely it's going to be have some issues and and whatnot. I thought maybe, you know, given the amount of time they've had to spend on it, it would have they would have been able to maybe improve it a little bit. Um, the runtime obviously was very short, and just as a piece, I thought it was okay. It wasn't anything atrocious, you know, some people have said it's the worst X-Men film ever, which, you know, I think is a bit harsh given that, you know, the films like X-Men Origins Wolverine exist. Um, Age of Apocalypse. See, Actually, not, see, the thing is, see, the thing I is, you've thought seen... thought the film was called... Talking over each other, that was, that was a bit awkward, eh? I, um, I thought the film was called Age of Apocalypse up until about 10 minutes ago when I found out the film is just called Apocalypse. This whole time I thought it was called Age of Apocalypse, but it's not. No, it's called Apocalypse, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, see, that's awful. That's worse than New Mutants. See, the thing is, you've seen... I, I, I think you've seen all of the X-Men films. I haven't seen uh, Wolverine. X-Men Origins Wolverine. I've seen The Wolverine. I haven't seen X-Men Origins oh, okay, Wolverine. Okay, well, okay. Well, okay, the only X-Men films I have seen are... Um, I've seen Deadpool. I've seen Deadpool... Once Upon a Deadpool, the Deadpool 2 like, re-release, the Christmas one. Um, I've seen Logan. I've You're not seen... allowed to see 18. That's why you had to go watch Once for Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've also seen Logan though, so you know. Yeah, you which came out before. Cover your eyes during some scenes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen Logan. I've seen X Men Origins Wolverine, and I swear, other than New Mutants, I think there's another one. Days of Future Past. You must have seen those. I've right? not seen any of the X Men. That X-Men shit films. is so good, dude. And I've seen the Wolverine. If I didn't say that one. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I've not seen anywhere near as many of the X-Men films as you, so I'm probably not as qualified to say, oh, it's, you know, how it compares to the other films. Um, but I think this film was very generic and very did not know what it wants to be. It tried to be a horror film. Mm. It tried to be a romance, comedy, teenage drama film. I agree, I agree. It tried to be a lot of things, and it was 80 what or 92 minutes or something. Um mm. I don't know, just the characters like were kind of interesting, but like I don't know, like for, for X-Men obviously X-Men was as we've discussed before was written originally as a very um political thing about um differences uh whatever the differences may be of of people and, and sort of um giving, you know, minority groups a an outlet really in a in a world which was generally dominated by you know the the typical you know white men and whatever uh, straight white men um you know it's it's from from its origins anyway x men and then you, you could hear the anger when Jordan McDonald said straight white men because as previously stated he's a massive trump supporter yes so he's angry about using the term yeah um <laughs> but no i think it, okay Sure, we're in 2020 now, and I mean, this, well, this film was supposed to come out like what three years ago, or two years ago, whatever. But we're in 2020 now, and obviously, certain things are very much more open. Um, however, I do think that a film which has a uh, LGBTQ character in it, um, you know, should maybe go for a bit more subtlety than trying to tell us that they're LGBTQ plus by having them watch, uh, you know. Was it with Buffy the Vampire or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seen um, Buffy, yeah. And just the whole script was very, very like generic. There were some parts where I almost laughed because the dialogue was awful. 
Uh, if we're going to spoiler territory straight away, I'll just start by saying that the dialogue where I can't remember exactly what was said, but it was like it was something like towards this this bear character at the oh, end. Oh yeah, yeah, I know exactly. I think I know the exact line. Well, I was like, just laughing it's so, so big, <laughs> but you were bigger. Oh, yeah, that, that's then, the one. That's yeah, the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it was not goes, it was yeah. not subtle by any means. The the <clears> film. Um, you know, and for a, for an X Men film, I think it could have been done a lot better. I think they should for sure have lent more towards the horror side. That's what it was very much marketed as being. The trailers in the cinemas for the weeks leading up to it coming out were all about the scary jumpy bits, and all of the scary jumpy bits were in the trailer. Um, and yeah, as I said, the the dialogue was very generic, if not laughable. The characters had zero development. The villain was, 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 I don't know, what was that supposed to be? Like, there was, it, you know, it was just very, it was very obvious where the film was going. Uh, it didn't really try any, anything, anything new. Um, the one, f- the few praises I will have for the film, because I, I mean, I've seen, I'm, this is like a one star review, and I did give it like two and a half out of five, which, you know, is like a very mid film. Because there were certain parts where I did like it, uh, I thought, some of the characters are pretty cool. Um, the uh, magic character in particular, I, I'm a big fan of Annie Taylor-Joy anyway. I think very much wasted potential, um, very much a wasted, sorry, no, not potential, a very much wasted um, actress and a very much wasted character in that film. It would be very much a shame if we don't get to see her in an MCU film um, or even, you know, that character in, in future films. Um, but yeah, that was that was a saving grace. Some of the VFX was very good. I thought I thought the bear was was pretty good. Um, some of the other VFX was very awful. It ranged very much from amazing to abysmal on the on the VFX front. So mm. it, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll hand over the reins to to Bo now to see what he thought. Um, whether he agrees or disagrees. With I me, think but, I yeah. agree with every single one of your points. Okay. I I don't I I cannot put um. I cannot criticise any of your points there. I, I do think that in my very qualified opinion that this film was not very good. It's um I mean I I, I to speak over <laughs> I if I understand correctly, I believe I'd say that we all differ by a very similar amount is that that the it seems like JL seemed it was very mid and I thought it was just above mid. And then you seem to think it's just below mid. Yeah. Because that seems like a fair yeah. enough justification yeah. of our opinions. Yeah. Okay, I'll let you go. Yeah, I would say so. It didn't have anything um, going for it really other than uh, gay representation, I think, personally. It was not very memorable at all. Like, seeing it very recently, I, I could not um, tell you with great um, honesty um, what the film was about, other than a yeah. massive bear. And um, yeah, I also feel like it was a it was a waste of um, of characters. Like uh, I really did enjoy the characters there, and I felt that they could have delved a bit more into into the characters. And uh, there was a lot of untold backstory that was really interesting. That with a, a ninety minute long um, screen time, just couldn't get explained. Um, uh, yeah. Also, the fact like I talked about the dialogue and the script, and the fact that they. In a 90-minute runtime film, they reused the opening dialogue as the ending dialogue, and it's the exact same dialogue. Hmm. Did you, it, I didn't it was that. just. Uh, I don't. I'd say I, I. 
I guess I'm glad to live. I don't think that's necessarily a, a, a bad thing. I think that's like more of like a, a callback than anything. I don't think that's like because they ran out of dialogue. No, no, no. Just, but like, I just mean like it just seems so just unnecessary. Like we know the film starts through that dialogue that you don't need to restate yeah. for the audience. Like it, it was very, as I've said in, in other regards, it was not very subtle with what it was trying to do. And um, it, I don't know. I just It's just so disappointing because mm. they tried to market it as this horror film and it could have been so much better. Yeah, yeah. I um, The identity of the film, as you said before, it had loose ties to horror it had loose ties to even the x-men um series i you could you could watch that not having any idea about x-men and there was there was maybe like two mentions of of the x-men in that film and yeah it's it had no idea what it wanted to be it, there was there was misplaced romance i think and misplaced horror scenes i everything else was everything about it was all out of place yeah I guess um, are you ready for me to, to take the wheel please yeah, go for it I think um, a lot of the reasons why I like the film uh, more than uh, so I think I'm going to think I'm going to have a very negative review for someone that didn't feel very negatively about this I'd say I'd say one of the the kind of bigger surprises because I went into it thinking oh this is going to be awful it's going to be dreadful and I thought it was a pretty decent film to be honest I, I didn't think it was uh, the best X-Men film by a long stretch but I thought it was um, definitely watchable and I had less of an issue um, I, I, I will uh, admit that a lot of what I like uh, or a lot of the opinions I have that make me think it's good it, it involves a lot of me saying, thinking but if they'd done that better it'd be good I almost like it because of what it could have been more than it, what it was mm-hmm. which I know you shouldn't do but I think the, the personally I think that a good third act would have made um, a lot of the opinions we have on the first two acts different I think the ending was awful I think the deciding to switch between the bad guy being um, this quite creepy and kind of you don't really know you don't know the trust or not um, kind of a nurse I, I thought she was a, a suitable bad guy for, for the main big bad but instead flipping it and having it as the the the, the powers of, of of moonstar uh it seemed a bit cheap i think if they'd the film would have been a lot, a lot stronger if they had um essentially reinforced the events of uh the second act uh throughout the third uh, the idea that whilst they're trying to go you know the second act kind of reaches its peak where you've got these horror characters these smiley men and you've got different fears attacking people whilst they're trying to track down uh and and get rid of the nurse i think if that continued throughout the third and had some big ending where she calls in her superior or something the film could have ended it could have been a lot scarier could have carried on that horror those horror tropes uh, and kind of had this, this this bad guy that we truly cared about. Instead, we're just fighting this manifestation of herself. So no one that has a personality, there's no uh, big final speech for the bad guy. Um, but I thought that maybe a lot of the points that you two didn't uh, feel hit hit. I thought that I didn't have a problem with the romance. So I, I thought that um, it seemed fairly natural to to a degree. And I think that the conversations that uh, Maisie Williams' character and uh, and Danny Moonstar uh, had, I think, kind of built up over time and her being friends. I, I thought it worked. Um, it was, I was quite shocked, really when I thought through it and realised there's literally not a single other gay character in a superhero film I know uh, Joe, one of Joe or Anthony Russo vaguely mentions it in Endgame and that's the only time that um, that it's ever mentioned in the MCU homosexuality um, but yeah it, it's quite nice to see uh, an LGBTQ plus uh, relationship on the uh, in, in a superhero big big screen film but I thought it was fairly natural um, arguably uh, 
Magic's character um, and, and the Brazilian um, fire bloke uh, was less so built up and maybe would have been a lot better with a, a longer runtime. But I thought that the characters seemed very much likable. I thought their powers were interesting. I thought that um, despite the fact his accent wasn't very good, uh, the character of Sam Guthrie I thought was particularly um, entertaining about him kind of going through his his kind of guilt of killing his, his family and, and a similar story um, with, with the girlfriend being killed by, by the Brazilian fire bloke. Uh, I, I quite enjoy the characters and, and I think what I enjoy the most um, came from, from early on in the film uh, and um, I feel a lot of what my opinion is is like I almost am giving it credit for like I know this film had production issues I know they cut down the runtime. if they had longer if they could have made it you know didn't have issues this film could have been great um, but I, I, touching on the, the VFX as you said it was it went from abysmal, abysmal to great uh, constantly I personally thought the, the visual effects effect uh, affecting uh annie taylor joy's character uh magic uh were particularly awful i thought that her arm and her little pocket reality didn't look good at all however a lot of the um vfx surrounding other visions that danny moonstar's character created um were high quality and i thought the contrast was uh, did pull me out of the immersion at points however when we were just uh seeing stuff like the smiley men it looked it did look particularly creepy um but again, you know, I just I just feel almost some some sadness that they couldn't continue what they were kind of winning at the horror elements and and, and a good antagonist and and kind of the characters come together. When that happens in in Act Two, they couldn't immediately abandon it, and I guess that's the reason why you don't like it, and that's the reason why I'm giving it it, it, it kind of more points because I really enjoy that central part of the film. Uh, the the ideas, all their different fears, seems very much justified, um, uh, and. I guess maybe I don't know if you. I, th I hope you both agree, but despite the fact that this failed what it was trying to be, um, I feel some sadness that we won't be able to see them try this again because this is the last Fox film. Fox have been bought up by Disney. Disney will never try something like this. It doesn't matter if they fail or they succeed like they did with Logan. I'm quite ex happy about the fact that they tried to make a horror film. It didn't go well, but they. They wanted. They saw a superhero genre, and they thought I'm going to do something different. And knowing that the X-Men property is going to Disney now, we probably won't see that again. Would you? I don't know if you two agree, but I think it's a sad reality that, you know, whilst I appreciate a lot of the MCU and I like a lot of Disney films, uh, there isn't much variation between them, and it's kind of sad that we're going to lose the um, Fox's need to try and compete with the MCU, and therefore creating a little bit more out there content. I will miss the X-Men uh, universe. It's a very, um, it's a very progressive universe. I think that. It was all, uh, it was all uh, sort of uh, promoting inclusion and uh, and sort of uh, uh, that kind of um, idea of um, sort of accepting outcasts or minorities. And I think that was a definitely a, a. One thing worth mentioning as well is that I, unless I'm forgetting something, it's probably the first major Native American character in the superhero film as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, it's a nice yeah. kind of minority inclusion. It was. Um, it was a great series that was able to uh, to bring those kind of uh, ideals into uh, into mainstream um, film. Yeah, I think that whilst this uh, will be deemed uh, a failure by many, I've, I've, I think it's pretty clear, especially someone that's listened to the first three episodes of the podcast before uh, I brought it back this year, um, that I like the X-Film films more than most people, seeing as I gave Dark Phoenix an 8 out of 10, which is, uh, I guess, fairly infamous. But um, I, I think, you know, that a lot of the greatest successes... And, and of course this failure comes from Fox's willingness to try something different um, Logan being a, an almost um, 
kind of DC style, you know, like the style like of, of the Dark Knight and, and Joker, in that they've gone for a darker, more gritty superhero film with real death and 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 such. And when they went out on a limb to make the Deadpool films to to make a comedy superhero film that wasn't you know aimed at, at children like Shark Boy and Lava Girl or something it was a proper adult 18 you know R, R rated whatever they call it in America um, superhero film with swearing and sex jokes and such and um, and I think obviously the failure that they've had with this but um, the MCU wouldn't exist if it wasn't for films like X Men and again you know I don't know if you agree Jordan ask you as well but just feel it's a shame that it almost feels like the content we're going to get is going to be quite samey when it comes to Marvel superheroes. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned this last week as well with the, in relation to DC, how DC have got a bit more leniency and, and what, what they've done. They're able to have darker stuff and then a bit more comedic stuff and, you know, mix and match almost and have coexisting stories which aren't just tonally comedy or family-friendly. I think, for sure, the New Mutants, as I've said, that's why I'm particularly disappointed with it because I'd heard about it for so long and you know seeing what the premise was I think it just it just as I said before it kind of failed though ultimately with trying to be for me there was no one moment where I thought this is a good horror film there was no scary parts in my opinion I thought um you know that's kind of right it was very much piecemeal trying to put together uh as I said before, you know, horror and comedy and romance, and it, it kind of failed on all fronts in a way where it could have really just leaned into the horror aspect. I think it would have been a lot better for it. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a shame, really, because obviously, as we as we know now, with uh, with the X-Men coming into the MCU and Fantastic Four and, and all those characters, where um, it's going to probably be uh, leaning into sort of more maybe like a Guardians of the Galaxy or, um, you know, that kind of that kind of uh, approach maybe I don't know depends what, what route they go down in the future um, with <laughs> characters you know you'd expect maybe someone like Galactus or uh, Doctor Doom maybe to be the next sort of big bard in the MCU maybe they can yeah. go for maybe a bit of a darker story if they maybe went with like Doctor Doom or something first maybe they could um, you know have maybe like a you know with a film with depending on who they cast as well in that role uh, they could maybe go for a bit of a darker background and a bit more of a, a grounded story, but um, yeah, just for for me, New Mutants, it it wasn't it wasn't a disaster, but I think it uh, I think the maybe one of the reasons, as you said before, you've given it a bit of a higher rating than us, perhaps because you thought of the potential it could have been. I think that's the reason why I've actually marked it down because I knew mm-hmm. what it could have been. Um, because you're basically like glass half empty kind of guy I'm really optimistic in your well speaking of glass I was thinking that speaking of glass like this kind of uh, you know it kind of had in a way shades of that but just at a worse level like obviously um, you know it's kind of got the horror elements and then a bit of uh, bit of comedic moments for like relief and, and kind of just playing up to the the dark, a kind of like a darker tone for for superheroes, but I think, and obviously Annie Taylor Joy is a is a connecting bridge in terms of the cast. But I think, I think for me, Gloss and and Split were were better. Um, by no means perfect, and and I have problems with those films as well. Um, but I think they they those films did, um, did that sort of approach the horror and mixing it with other aspects in 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 a better way. I think. Um... Also, talking, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna use your um, your segue because I'm an excellent podcast host. Talking of Glass, um, Glass's uh, you know main character, of course, uh, James McAvoy, is one of the many 
um, actors that I'm, I'm sad will have to lose or, or probably will have to lose uh, seeing as this, this Fox uh, Disney uh, merge um, because now you know James McAvoy Michael Fassbender Jennifer Lawrence Sophie Turner Maisie Williams uh, Hugh Jackman of course whether he do any more I doubt that uh, even if they were carrying on the Fox films um, Annie Taylor-Joy I don't know if I've already said her and and, and the like uh, the character the actress who, who played Danny Moonstar who I thought was, was not too bad Blue Hunt um, kind of uh, Charlie Heat and all of these kind of great actors that, that have contributed to the franchise sadly are most likely to be lost I think the only one that Disney are planning to keep is Ryan Reynolds because of just how popular Deadpool is um, how they'll obviously do that we'll have to see but you know, it's uh, maybe not like the goodbye that the X-Men series wanted, but after the critical reception of the last few films, maybe it's the, the send-off that the X-Men franchise deserved. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... Rest in peace. The likes of Days Oof, of Future the, Past. Uh, the Dark Knight-esque dialogue there. I know. And, and a masterpiece of, of comic book movie, and uh, you just <laughs> compared it to maybe what was an absolute maybe tragedy. Sam Guthrie wasn't there superhero we needed but he was superhero <laughs> the X-Men franchise very much well you know what I think uh, I think Joaquin Phoenix right now would be saying uh, I thought my life was a tragedy but then I realised it was a fucking comedy <laughs> I thought my, I thought my life was a horror slash superhero slash teen <laughs> romance but it turned out it's shit <laughs> um, true I think that I'm rounds up um, yeah, that rounds up our talk on the newest and last Fox X-Men spin-off film thing uh, the New Mutants um, any of the people that skip through the spoilers will be joining us back and um, again like I said earlier a bit of um, a bit of confusion about what we're going to do next episode it might have to be released a bit late because of the timing of the release of the next film we'll do which is probably going to be Bill and Ted Face the Music um, <gasps> I am not particularly looking forward to that film judging off the trailers I, I, but I have to say I've not uh, I've not seen the first two but I I'm kind of you know I'm kind one. of feeling a comedy I'm not I've not uh, I've not watched a Comedy, like a big comedy film for, for quite a while I don't think so yeah maybe I need to loosen up maybe I need to just accept American Pickle style I need to accept that it's not going to be a masterpiece but maybe it's a bit of Keanu Reeves fun I did actually listen back uh, not long ago to my original podcast to see how uh, they were the first two episodes and I clicked on a random part of episode three and my, the statement I said was that like you can you can turn do something or something but you can't turn Keanu Reeves Canadian but he is literally Canadian so what the fuck was I on about well, I don't know. You've okay. also said on previous podcast that Mad Max Free Road was a disaster. So I mean, that film is shit. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> I am leaning more towards Sam. I'm afraid. Of... Let's oh, go. Don't start with the monster trucks comments. He he hates little women. Uh, who oh, Bo does as well. Yeah, he hates little women, don't you, Bo? I haven't watched Little Women. Yes, I'm sure I'd love yes. it. Yeah, well, he doesn't like. <laughs> you think Mad Max is a bit trash, so. So we, we rate this we rate this guy on the podcast, but thank you very much for joining us in this podcast, yeah. Bo. Uh, you've been uh, as always a, a, a great uh, yeah. guest. You know um, it, it really was a challenge having to put up with, with having you on here, but I'm sure the uh, the uh, the audience will uh, will appreciate the uh, if they've made it this far. You to go. Honestly, you're like you're like horror to work with. <laughs> you don't know how difficult you are. Honestly, he's here, he's showing up hours. He's de- demanding that we get him a packs of skittles that only the red ones left in. Mm-hmm. So awkward. <laughs> We hate him. We have to work with him. Uh, but we can. Where can we find you, Bo? We can find you. You will not be able to find me. <laughs> well, Do not some... contact me. <laughs> <laughs> you can get him on uh, Reddit. Yes. 
God, let me on my Leddit, please. You can add him on Bebo. You can add him on... Uh, MySpace. Uh, you can add him on Letterboxd. Uh, shit, what's your Letterboxd? Uh, Do not contact me. <laughs> don't contact him. Well, you can yeah. contact the podcast at nowshownpod <laughs> at gmail.com uh, for anything uh, you want to ask. Uh, you should... You should go out now and go rate this podcast five stars on iTunes um, uh, because that helps us in the rankings. We currently have a hundred percent five star rating right now um, <gasps> out of the two reviews, both are five star. So um, no podcast is rated higher than us in the entire world. So you know, that's a pretty good standing to be on. You can find Jordan Luke McDonald at by Jordan Luke on Twitter and JL McDonald on uh, Letterboxd. You can find me on Letterboxd at Sam Houston. I believe it's Sam Houston which is my name. And yeah, I think that's about everything. So we'll probably see you next week for Bill and Ted Faith Music. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Now Showing Podcast. Do you want to say bye or...